Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of That's a spicy evil man. <laughs> oh my god, that's the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> I just yeah. witnessed this live. Welcome, uh, Rogo. Yo, yo ho. Welcome to the evil den. <laughs> oh, I cannot believe I've gained entry. I've been listening since day one. I'm gonna fangirl out here, guys, for just a few. I know you hate it. You hate to hear it, but I gotta give it to you because I've been there since day one. Patreon since day one. Oh my god, it's number true. one most listened to podcast in all of 2022 according to Spotify. Evil man, Scott. Thank you. That means so much. Oh, you uh, like it? Now we keep <laughs> saying Rogo. We keep saying Scott. We haven't even introduced ourselves. You're listening to Evil Men with. The three regular ho-hum usual guys, Mike, Chris, and James. Grumpy, what? sleepy, and dopey. <laughs> and squirty. Uh, and <laughs> squirty. We're joined by a fourthman. Yeah. Say your name. Say my name. Say my name. My name is Scott Rogowski. Hey. But I've already given you two nicknames for this. But episode. you can call me Rogo, is what I was going to say. You Rogo, can call me Rogo. But also, I thought of Scottitude. Oh, Ooh. God. That's great. Scottitude. I, I've heard Scott Tober. My friend used to call me Scott Tober for some reason. Uh, yeah, but it, we can't call you Scott Tober because it's Scalai. <laughs> right. Scottoman Empire. I haven't heard that one either. Oh. Holy shnikes. Scottoman Empire is huge. Uh, I, thought, um, I have one. Uh, Sc- Scotland. <laughs> Okay. What the hell? Yes. That nickname sucks. (laughs) The the last prince of Scotland. (laughs) Well, this is a real thrill, Scott, to have you on the goddamn show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's, it's, I'm thrilling to be here. Uh, Truly, you guys are number ones in my hearts, number ones in my soul. And, but I don't want to blow you all, show. We got to get, we got to get, we got to get into, we got to get into penis talk. It's a big, (laughs) it's a big deal for us, too, Scott, for the evil men. To have on an episode, the owner of Scott's Shirts. <laughs> you, you were so close. You so right? nearly had it, Chris. You were Don't you own Scott's Shirts? Scottshirts.com, scottshirts.gov. I got all <laughs> I got all the URLs. It's Quiz Daddy's Closet, actually, which has been transformed to Quiz Daddy's. We're going with quizdaddies.com, quizdaddies.gov. Yeah. And that's based, in, you're in Santa Monica now, right? In this, Santa Monica, this, California, USA. You're Boys, selling shirts, you're selling away. baseball merchandise. And I love vintage, I, I love dead stock, and you've got always some sweet-ass gems. It's insane. Check out that late night with Whoa. Letterman tea right yeah, here, Yeah, he's boys. showing off like a vintage original late night with David Letterman t-shirt right now. Oh, on that old champion tag. But no, I got I got all the goodies, man. Yeah, I Scott's got-, got the good stuff. Rogo's got the good stuff. And Rogo, mm. just going to lean into that nickname, <laughs> you on your Instagram are doing like trivia at your store and filming it and putting it online. Actually, those were leaked. What? Yeah. I oh my pre- God. I prefer if no one watched them. Oh, okay. Uh, some, some, <laughs> somehow, somehow the cameras, my security cameras, you know, someone tapped in and, oh, and okay. got my footage of real customers 
buying stuff in my store and I do a little trivia thing with them. It's something I do privately with my customers. And unfortunately, unfortunately now it's out there. (laughs) That also explains the footage we all saw of a man robbing you with a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was laughing. I thought that I want people that that I'm happy is out there. One thing that's interesting (laughs) that I've never seen another sort of vintage store do is you have, and this was leaked on the internet as well. You have, I I guess they're called toilet cams where you sort of secretly, (laughs) you secretly record your customers. I don't know if I should be saying this, but you, you have like extensive archival footage of customers using the toilet uh, and you collect it and you, you know, they're available on DVD now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have a three set of vol- three volume DVD collection. No, the reason I was laughing so hard, <laughs> three words, not three words into Mr. Balazzo's opening salvo there. I was losing it because I knew a great joke was coming and I was not disappointed. You know, that's, when Mike Scott, that's how, Berman. that's how in tune I am with you guys, the rhythm of you, the, the show, the dynamics, Mike, as soon as you opened your mouth, I just lost my mind because I knew a killer joke was landing. The, the face some guys make when they're brewing a fart is the one Mike makes when he's brewing a great joke. Yes. Mike's cadence, he doesn't say the words, but the first, yeah, his cadence just screams, attention, attention. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I thought I could do something fun here because, uh, you know, me and my friends, we all sit around and we we talk about it. We discuss, which evil man are you? You know, are, are you yeah. Mantis? Oh, God. Whoa. Are, are you James? We talk. Of course, we use Mantis. Are you Mantis? Are you James? Mm-hmm. Are you the other guy? And <laughs> we all had this conversation. Yeah. And I, you know, I, Corey. I, just, I wanted to talk about. <laughs> are you Corey? Was it Corey? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I'd share with how I identify with you guys. And it's, you know, I, I. I love all of you. I do see myself as a James. I, I, I oh, think I'm, yes. I think I'm a James, and I'll tell you why. Do James you have stomach li- trouble? James <laughs> the least, yeah, yeah. Yes. There's that. There's the stomach trouble. Uh-huh. There's the, the the pension for Jewish women. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's the love of baseball. Not shared oh, by the dude. other two. I knew the baseball was a big You knew it was coming. I just want to say, I, I consider myself like a bit of a freak of knowing like obscure 90s baseball stuff. Scott is the best I've ever seen in my life. You're unreal. I remember Scott and I had a random conversation about the 93 Marlins. And Scott's like, oh, Brian Harvey, the closer? Unbelievable. <laughs> I believe uh, Armando Reynoso was part of that team. Oh, my God. Um, no, but this is uh, – it, it, it goes beyond those superficialities. It's just there's something – I don't know. There's something in my idea. I, I honestly, what it is, I can't. Chris and Mike, you come up with these out of the bounds premises, and, I, and James is always <laughs> astounded by some, some flights of fancy you guys go on. As you am know, I. That's, that's right. Mike and Chris are so unique. Yeah, and I genuinely am just bewildered by them. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, yeah. Mike. I am. It's so that actually makes feel. sense. Wow. It's how Maybe we, it's I'm how the audience's conduit. Yes, there's two that oddballs. Too. There's that right. too, James. You're, you're but. But no, there are other people out there who identify as, as the, the other freaks on this panel. Well, That's this true. is cool, Scott. It's cool that you, you come here and said that you're, as far as you're concerned, you're serving James. Yes. Yes. I'm giving. I'm giving James. You're giving James. But I love giving all of you. James. I wish I could give uh, Chris and give Mike. I just, I'm not that funny. <laughs> I like that. So it's like, oh, okay. So you think you're not that yeah. funny, and so that's why you're me. I get it. <laughs> During this episode of Evil Men, do you guys mind if I just hold James's hand? <laughs> I would like that. Oh, guys, this is um, the best. You're Scott, funny, no. Scott. You you also hosted that uh, live show 
for years, and the and the guests you had on it were insane. You had like Ma- like Matt Groening on Chris, it. Chris, you're Al talking, Yankovic. Chris, you're talking about running late with Scott Rogowski, which yeah. Scott did in New York City for years. And I, I think it. you did a few in L.A. too, right? Yeah, and and I yeah. I did a show in Toronto with you guys, but it, I don't think it was that show. I think it was just a stand up thing, right? No, that was you were from the other com- like the company you're working for or something. No, the you zone? Or no, you were like uh, I, I, we did a show. We did a show at the comedy bar. Yeah, yeah, but it was just like a variety stand up. Yeah, show I think it was just a stand up or something. And yeah. Scott, yeah, yeah. would was it from uh, that live talk show you were doing, and then you went from that to HQ, right? Yeah, I mean, Damn, yeah, man. yeah, kind of. I it was. I was actually going to move to LA. Uh, I moved out of my apartment in Brooklyn. I was all set to go, and try to make it in the Big Apple. The, the other one, <laughs> the big pair, uh, the West, the West Apple. So uh, I was in 2017. I was set to go, but then this HQ thing kind of just came out of the blue, and I auditioned for it, and I got it, and I ended up staying in New York. Um, and so I, I, I really, but I really was, and now I'm in LA, which is crazy. I got to LA finally after all that other crap blew up in my face, <laughs> <laughs> and the COVID thing, and now here we are. Damn, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could talk about it later or whatever, but you um, you have like a, a documentary or you don't have it. There is a documentary coming out yeah. about HQ on. Yeah. Is it CNN you were saying? So it aired on CNN originally. Now it's going to be streaming on Max. Ooh, Max. Uh, I'll also be Damn. showing it on my laptop at TJ Max. If anybody <laughs> Amazing. Check me out. And uh, that's my little joke for this. Uh, <laughs> uh, but now, yeah, Max, I don't, do you get Max up there, up in the Great White no. North? We get HBO shows on a thing called Crave. <clears throat> Crave. So maybe it'll be on Crave. Yeah. Maybe it'll be on be, Crave. It might show up on Crave. Yeah. But July 20th, it's popping on there for good. So if are you, you looking it, forward to this getting out there? Yeah. I mean, this is a. Uh, Look, I saw it. I, I, I just my only participation was in just being a one of twenty talking heads or so. I'm not a producer. I'm, I know I didn't have any. I didn't see it till it came out. I have no you know behind the scenes involvement. Yeah. Um. It was it was pretty good. Like it's the best job that will be done. I think telling the story. There could be another three hours, honestly, with all the shenanigans that went down. Wow. Uh, but you can't fit. You know, you can't fit that all into a. And when you were doing the show, doc, you, right? You were aware that like, oh man, this is getting crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I was trying to sound the alarm pretty early because I just saw I saw the train wreck coming, and um, you know, uh, steps were taken, things were looking better, and then uh, this other freak thing happened, which is our CEO and co-founder died. God, uh, fentanyl, yeah. accidental fentanyl overdose. Uh, so it's like, well, that was the that was the, the the punch in the gut that finally knocked us down. You know, we we could have we could have maybe held on. It was definitely on the decline before then. But that was it. That was the morbid to say, but nail in the coffin because someone did actually die. There is a real coffin in the context of that phrase. Right. (laughs) Unusual. I I didn't know it was a fentanyl uh, overdose. I thought he accidentally rode a Segway off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) You're making a very insensitive joke about uh, a, a, a real thing. And for that, I, I genuinely got the CEO. And for that, I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the CEO's a segue. <laughs> 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 this is the best. Keep it in. It's oh. staying in. It's staying in. 
And we're hey, Scott, back. can I ask you a question about the uh, the behind the scenes world of of uh, vintage clothing? What is the most uh, in demand item, or what's like what's the most expensive piece you've sold recently? Oh boy, <laughs> it's got to be most expensive piece sold recently. It's hard to think. Recently, I sold. I think I sold a Katy Perry shirt t- today for sixty four dollars. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> That's not even that vintage, really. Yeah. Got any? Uh, uh, do you got any starter uh, Taylor snapbacks? Swift stuff? By the way, oh yeah, Taylor Swift shirts. I've sold a couple Taylor Swift shirts for 150. Damn! From her, from her debut tour, 2009. Swifties I mean, um, are insane. Eh? Swifties They're are paying intense. ten thousand dollars for tickets. They could afford 150 for a t-shirt. That's the way sell, I think about sell it. Sell the shirts They're for intense. ten ten thousand dollars per shirt. <laughs> My daughter's a Swiftie, I think. Yeah. How do you know? What are the signs? Early warning Just, signs. That's all she wants to listen to and dance to. Chris, you Carmen should make my boyfriend. <laughs> you should turn off Taylor Swift, Chris, and make your daughter listen to Metallica and uh, Aerosmith. And Shonen the Knife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Beatles. Chromags. Um, um, Scott, have you ever sold any good <laughs> Blue Jays stuff? <laughs> you know, I do have a bunch of Torontonians coming into the shop now that you mention it. And uh, nice. I've sold, I sold some Leafs hats when they were hot for their hot oh, second yeah. there. Okay. Oh, poor cool. Leafs there. Uh, Blue Jays sell okay. I sold some 91 All-Star game hats. Yeah. Do you remember the 91 All-Star game? Absolutely. I have a ticket from it. I Do didn't you? go. Yeah. So you robbed, so you robbed someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a, I robbed a man. <laughs> it was a snatch. Um, you could probably sell that ticket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fucking right. Tickets are hot too. But no, the 91 All-Star game had a great logo. Just the All-Star yeah. game logos are phenomenal. Oh, so yeah. I, had, I had a great hat, so I sold both those. I'm trying to think it's more CanCon that I've sold mm. in the shop here. Uh, I, uh, oh, oh, Nickelback. Nickelback shirts were flying off the shelves this week. <laughs> really? <laughs> I sold three Nickelback shirts in a week, folks. Why? Because they were playing LA that night at the That's forum. That's so crazy. Oh, yeah. You know what? No joke. The other night, I ironically put on, this is how you remind me when we were goofing off. And then by about halfway through, I was like, See? actually, this rocks. That's exactly I how like I feel, James. Song. That's exactly how I feel. I literally like Another it. Another point on the board for the James when Scott connection. fucking kicks in. Can I ask a question? What do you mean when we were goofing off? My fiance and I were goofing off. We were listening to music and goofing having each other drinks. off, guys. You haven't heard of that before? Only Mike would never each other goof off. off. You mustn't goof off. <laughs> Have you ever walked into a brothel and and asked how much it costs to goof off with someone <laughs> to get to get goofed off? How much to get goofed? How much to get goofed? <laughs> eh? <laughs> Scott, can I ask you another question about all your like vintage and dead stock stuff that you sell from your yes, store? Yes, yes. Um, do you ever get something like super old, like a blouse from the 18th century? Chris is one of those like one. neck things that looks like a a, a plate or a collar swallowed a plate. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a, no, it's Elizabethan rough. Elizabethan. James. Okay, rough. Sorry, J- sorry. I'm talking to both Jameses <laughs> both now. Jameses. <laughs> See, we both get things wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. Uh, Elizabethan yeah, rough. You, have you ever sold an Elizabethan rough? I got a colonial pilgrim hat. I got a oh. <laughs> See, wow. see, back in the colonial days, 1770s, there was a vintage trend going on amongst the youth of that generation. It's not talked about a lot in most history books, but yeah. the young the, the young colonial Sam Adams kid, okay, Paul Revere's the teenager, 
They were yeah. all throwing it back to the pilgrims. They were going the vintage trend to 1660s America. So yeah. they were all walking around with hats with buckles That on was them. retro. That's the yes, thing. Yes, that was retro. That yeah. was a throwback. Check out my blouse. John yeah. Winthrop edition. <laughs> yeah. We're throwing it back, back, back. Yeah. It's a cotton mather, baby. Still got blood on it. Still got blood on these sheets, but it's all good. How sick would it be if you got a DeLorean? You went back to the 18th century. You go to like Salem. They're like rounding up some witches and all of a sudden, you show up in the crowd at, at the witch burning wearing a New York Mets hat. <laughs> <laughs> How sick would that be? And I'd be like, yo, it's dead stock with tags. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're burning a witch alive. And you go and you point out your New York Mets hat and go, y'all ain't ready for this. <laughs> what does dead stock mean? Great question. Dead stock means uh, it's never been worn. It's it's stock that has been quote unquote killed. It's dead. It didn't sell on the shelves at the time. No Is one it bought weird it that Chris when it came knew out. That word? No, he's a head. He's a hype beast. Come on, he's a head. Yeah. Dead stock. That's he's cool. A, so it's just they're not making a, anymore. This is it. Right. These are original pieces that were made in, in the year. So a, a 1990 New York Mets hat, and let's say it has a tag on it. It says copyright 1990. We know where date it's from. That hat sat on some sports sporting goods store shelf back in 1990 and did not sell, ended up in some back closet, ended up getting wholesaled in a cl- closeout sale, ended up in someone's storage unit, ended up at my thrift store, and it's never been worn. That's the thing. It's just wow, like, never I, I just worn. got an idea. Oh, that's crazy. I got some sick trivia for you, Rogo. Yeah. How sick is Mitchell and Ness? <laughs> is that the trivia question? Yeah. How sick are they? <laughs> um, I, took, I, have to, I have to thread the I have to so, throw the line with that one because the company I work for is, owns Mitchell and Ness. Now, are you serious? I'm serious. Why? I actually um, really love their hats. They are cool. I'm um, personally so wait, not Scott, into it. I personally not into it. Just say it. I I got oh. a crazy idea. I, like I had I saw the whole vision in my mind, Scott, when you were saying it's dead stock. That it was like these unloved pieces that sat on shelves got dusty. They were moved to a storage unit. I'm thinking. Uh, hello, Pixar. We've got a pitch for you. Yeah, sort of like Toy Story, but it's about a bunch of dead stock clothing, baseball hats, jerseys, shirts, uh, all that kind of stuff. Memorabilia that that have crazy adventures. I would I love, love to see a Pixar movie about all of that crap. <laughs> all of that crap is having some fun. All of that crap. That could be the song. <laughs> Me and you, we are friends. Old baseball hats that's never been worn. <laughs> We're now doing this Randy Newman soundtrack to Dead Story, the Deadstock Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's incredible it's a great idea let's pitch it right now there's never sure. been a better time to pitch a movie i'll cross a picket line i'll be a scab i want to get yes. this movie made <laughs> by any means necessary why that's- do these writers want to be paid so much they're oh, so greedy fucking grubby little bastard it's because most of them are jewish let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> and i can say that as one yeah which also um, leads me into our evil man, but we don't have to go there yet. Well, I mean, before we get to the evil man, you did say you prepared a weird way cooler whatever. I oh, mean, this is true. This is true. This is true. Okay, let's so weird or way cool or whatever. 
First, I'm going to do a revisit to a previous WWCW. Whoa. Uh, I believe it was episode 97, uh, minute 2342, <laughs> when um, uh, James Harden had shared uh, his weird way cool or whatever, which was sitting down to pee. Yeah. And uh, I had heard that. And I I'd, up until you're that point. You're talking about when you are erect? When you're erect. And erect, yes. see, here we go. We had to get to it. We had to mention an erection in the intro to even because no episode is complete without it. It's the ball talk. It's the bathroom talk that we all come. The evil man is secondary, even tertiary to the real discussion here. I agree. Yeah. So, so now we're talking about erections and urinating with them. And uh, it was talked about previously that James sits down to pee with his heart on. And, yes. And I will say, uh, up until that point, I thought James and I were these was his soulmates. We're just these two of a kind. And I hear this come out. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, boy, am I doing it wrong? Or is he doing wrong? Which one of us? The mirror. I looked into the mirror. I said, which side of the brain is in control here? Should I be sitting down peeing much like my my simpatico soulmate here, James? So I tried it, James. I tried it. And? And I can report that it's it's slightly painful. Yeah. (laughs) Like it is. Can I ask you something? It's a small price to pay, though. (laughs) Can I ask you something, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. Do you... Make your fist like a knuckle, like a, a fist, and do you push the heart erect cock down towards the toilet bowl water with your fist? Like, is that yes. how it's painful? That's what's happening. There's an extension, a hyperextension going on. I'm yeah, also white knuckling the toilet seat with my other hand because to <laughs> bear the pain. So I'm does this like, sort of will... mean? So does this sort of insinuate that? I mean, infer that James's erection goes downwards naturally. It doesn't go down. I mean, they all go downward naturally. I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> I think I did a bad job explaining it before. I'll do like this. The audience isn't going to see it, but they don't you guys go will downward see it. Naturally. I do like this. It's a crouch. It's a forward bend. Like a forward bend yeah. crouch, yeah. Well, so I do that I, I didn't bend, explain but I do it, well. it facing the toilet. You do? Like riding a, <laughs> like sitting on a seat backwards? Kind of like I'm shooting like a laser gun that's between my legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, I, I, I do it. I actually, I don't know if you made sport of it, and maybe this was discussed, but I do try to. Yeah, go ahead, James. Try to make my way f- sound weirder. <laughs> Have you ever tried the full arc? Have you ever tried the three point shot? <laughs> no, no, really. Oh, that's standing, go all over the place. High standing risk, a few paces back from the toilet. Standing a of, few paces yeah. back, you got to measure it out like lidar. You're using real, like, <laughs> cutting edge technology. Uh, Remember that that, that old commercial <laughs> where they were like off the backboard? Off yes. The- oh, yeah. That'd be awesome if all four of us may- remake that commercial, but it's with boner pee. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to set up little backboards in our bathroom. Yeah. That this could be an ad. It could be a commercial <laughs> for your store, I guess. <laughs> I'm just picturing a urine spl- stream splashing off a backboard and somehow hitting another backboard timed out. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like but a- toilet. <laughs> Damn. It would Nothing kind of be splash. a weird shoot because we'd have to all get aroused right before. Oh. I don't know how we're going to do that. <laughs> or maybe we'll all wake up from the same sleepover. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I think we could do a we could do a league. We could make a whole league out of this. Toilet pissing <laughs> could be a sport. Pissing, boner pissing, morning boner pissing. wood specifically. <laughs> yes. So Scott, are you saying that 
in your opinion, it is weird. I'm saying it's weird, but I'm also saying there's a lot of urine on my bathroom floor <laughs> <laughs> because I tend to miss a lot. Um, mm. Okay, that leads me to my weird, way cool, whatever, which is, do you find it weird, way cooler, whatever, that I voraciously clean my apartment before my cleaning lady comes? Oh. That is a... F- Good one. Because it's kind of like people when you know you really want your teeth to be clean before you go to the yes, dentist. Yes, you brush it. Because I tell you, it's so bizarre, but I feel like I have to impress my cleaning lady. <laughs> that is sounds <laughs> like an idea Larry David would write down. <laughs> well, this is Scott Rogowski saying it out loud. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a crush on your cleaning lady? I, I don't at all. It's not about that. It's about I want. I don't want her to think I'm a slob. I'm a total pig. Mm. So I clean up. And I mean, also part of it's like, I feel guilty that I even have a cleaning lady. Like I could, I do, I do, and I do, by the way, clean most of the time. I just like <laughs> yeah, once sounds every like clean two- before she comes. Yeah. But this is like a once every two month, maybe once every three month thing where I get the cleaning lady. But even then I go, I can load the dishwasher. In fact, I will do it and do it for her. So now I am washing my dishes, loading the dishwasher before she comes. I'm putting everything away, cleaning up the bathroom, sprinkling down the window. With so she has- I'm cleaning the house that I'm then paying her to clean. In effect, she has a cleaning man. Yes. Basically. It's a, it's a dastardly twist. Uh, you know what, Scott? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we have a, a, a woman come sometimes, and I don't do it quite that much, but I kind of do it too. Yeah, I just don't want it to be. I kind of just think I don't want it to be too messy because that yeah. sucks for her. Exactly, I'm not wiping anything down, but I put I may, I put everything away, and you know, yeah. So no, I, I think that's actually way cool and kind of you. Yeah, I even flush the toilet because <laughs> I'm that kind of guy. Don't Do you ever show her like the floor? Yeah, yeah, piss <laughs> <laughs> all over the floor. <laughs> Do yeah. you wipe the inside of your toilet before she comes? No, I don't. Come on, I come on. <laughs> Come on now. So, okay, if this is all to interrogate my weird, way cool, whatever, fine. No, I'm I, saying I, I way will cool. indulge. I will indulge. So, you think that's way cool? Yeah. What do we think, fellas? Weird, way cool, or whatever. I guess it's I way love cool. that James would think it's way cool. I love that. I knew you would, but I guess it's. I wouldn't say it's way cool. I'd say it's cool and nice that you Maybe help you think her out a bit. Mm. That's, that's exactly like it shouldn't be way cool to anyone. It's not way cool <laughs> by any means, but yeah. it is kind of cool. Okay, it's kind of cool. I'm saying it's weird. <laughs> oh, to me, it's like making your own chicken McNuggets and then bringing them to McDonald's <laughs> and going, "Now try mine." <laughs> I don't know how you do it, Chris. I don't know how you come up with this shit. Oh, yeah. I just it's, talk to guys like you. That's funny. <laughs> Did you guys see that there's... I, I love that happening in America. Lady, I assume it, it is. is. Yeah. But in Canada, Burger King is selling something called ketchup nuggets. So they look like McDonald's chicken McNuggets, but they're fully... They're supposed to taste like ketchup potato chips. And they Tell don't you what, look honey. great. Tell you what, honey, we don't stand them in my house. We do not stand them. Sorry, what are they called? They're called ketchup nuggets? Ketchup nuggets. And uh, they're just ketchup in the form of a chicken McNugget? Yeah. Is it the jingle? Is there a jingle for it? 
Summer just got cool with ketchup nuggets. Ketchup. Yeah, cool off with ketchup. This is yeah. <laughs> and hot nuggets. <laughs> Steaming hot nuggets that will cool burn your tongue. With ketchup. <laughs> so you get home funny. after a, a very hot day, you just squirt some ketchup all over your face. Fudge. Uh, yeah, that's dump, good. The the ice the the ketchup bucket <laughs> challenge. <laughs> A Gatorade? When a coach wins a game, they get dunked on with uh, ketchup and ice cubes? Oh, my God. A big bottle of Heinz ketchup bursts through the wall and goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, did you guys hear that in the Arctic, the ketchup shelf is falling apart? <laughs> <laughs> That's as far cool as I can take ketchup. it. As the glaciers melt, ketchup vapors are being released into the air. We're getting... <laughs> Yeah, that's why everybody's holding their hot dogs in the sky. It's coming down as rain now. <laughs> it's rain of ketchup. This well, world maybe, is going to have a ketchup rain day for sure. Maybe before before ketchup we record another, um, our next in-person episode, uh, Chris and James, we should order some ketchup nuggets and taste them on, on the be, air. I'll, I, I would, would love totally that. totally eat ketchup I would love nuggets. That. I, One day a ketchup brain is going to come in. <laughs> You're a weird old guy talking to his kid. Yeah. Put One day there'll on be all. a ketchup brain. Beep, beep. <laughs> Before we get to our evil man, I want to tell everybody that like we talked about last week, we have a live show, a evil men live at the Paradise Theater in Toronto, August 24th at 8 p.m., there will be a link for tickets in the show notes, or you can look at our Twitter or our Instagram. Now, Mike, we've done two other live shows. They were both packed. They were both so fun. Everybody had an amazing time, right? Everyone had an amazing time. No one in the crowd suffered a seizure or a heart attack. No. Everyone just suffered laughter. That's right. And this show, we're doing at a bigger theater. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we would love if you came out and watched us because we, we're, you know, we're trying a bigger damn show. So it's going to be more elegant, funnier, more yes. guests, more prizes. We are going to, yeah, we're we going to have some great guests. We've been tossing around the idea. We might even have a small opening act or two. You mm -hmm. know, they're going to be good. Yeah. And uh, so please check it out. If you are a Patreon member and you can sign up at patreon.com slash evil men, you get 15% off. So the ticket's not even going to be that much. So uh, please check it out. We would really love you to come. We'd love it if you buy your tickets early. You know, why wait? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Don't you agree? Trust us. You're going to want to be there because we're going to do something that's, uh, let's just say it's going to make the, the news. <laughs> uh, I'll also mention, in addition to that live show, ch please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash evilmen. Two bonus episodes a month, and you'll be on, on our Discord, and you get a discount on our live show. And if you're a Patreon pa Patreon patron of Evil Men, you just may end up on the show one day if you bug them enough. Yes. yes. Like and me. Scott is That's in the Patreon. That's how I got here. Do you go on the Discord, Scott? Or is Hell that no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm much like Mike in that sense. See, I actually do draw from all three of you, and I have yeah. thought about this. I do draw yeah. strength from all three of you, and I, I identify with Mike in the disdain for technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to, to add a postscript to what you just said there, Scott, um, you were joking when you said if you are a patron, you will eventually get on the show, because that's not 
necessarily true for 99.9% of our patrons, <laughs> but we do appreciate that they subscribe. We love them. They, we love them. they generously donate all, money to us. I'm saying so is, there's great. a chance. If you're a yeah. sign up, there's a chance. Sign yeah, up. There's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah, just like there's a chance that like you'll be hit by a meteorite walking down the street, you know? <laughs> yeah. So before we move on, let's have a word from our partner, Athletic Greens. I take AG1 in the morning before starting my day, and it makes me feel really good. It really improves my energy. Yeah, me too. I've been taking it every morning with a glass of water before uh, having toast and eggs and anything. And uh, I've noticed a lot in uh, a lot of difference in digestion and uh, metabolism speeding up, maybe, and uh, overall energy. Yeah, I'm I've into feel- athletic greens. I got to tell you. Yeah, they sent us uh, AG1 to try out. And I genuinely 100% actually really do like it. Yeah. It's helped my digestion too. feels good getting all your vitamins and minerals at once. It's like complicated if you want to try to take a bunch of different supplements. This all comes together. And that's it's really nice to just have one scoop of powder in water once a day. Boom. There's all the stuff you need. Yeah. Honestly, me got big dumb brain. And it feels like my brain is coated with uh, big hunks of cheese and bacon fat a lot of the times. Yeah. And since I've been taking Athletic Greens regularly, it feels like it's chipped away at that and given my brainal uh, lobes more breathing space, like energy. Does that make sense? Yes. It's a nice way to make yourself healthier without having to do a lot. Here's a package, mix it in some water, and you're doing good stuff to your body. Yeah. So- Yeah, I really have enjoyed getting AG1. I'm going to keep getting it. I really like it. And uh, Chris, it sounds like you do too, my friend. I say yes to Athletic Greens. If you are looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash evilmen. That's athleticgreens.com slash evilmen. Check it out. Beep, beep. (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) Well, Scott, we asked you to pick an evil man, and who did you pick? Well, fellas, you know, with most of your evil men, as someone who's listed every single one, there's a clear ethical line that the man has crossed on his journey to evildom, you know? Mm -hmm. It's probably fair to say for most of them. I wanted to go with a more nuanced approach for my evil man. I chose a subject who's perhaps the most complicated of of any alleged evil man who we shall uh, uh, present to this esteemed panel. It might also be the most challenging judgment you've ever had to render in the great 100 plus episode history of this podcast, because the man I've chosen is J. Robert Oppenheimer. You know oh, what? Great point. Oh, Everything yeah. you said is 100% true. You know, they say uh, it's the death of the blockbuster these days. That's true, Chris. <laughs> Bobby brought it back, baby. Bobby brought it back. Bobby Ops. And, <laughs> listen, Bobby Oppy. All that, all that hocus pocus, all that fluffy language I just used is all bullshit. I just chose it because of the SEO. I but want honestly, to get more hits on this podcast oh, now that it's coming you. out. That's such a good point. Thank yes. you. Honestly, Rogo, your introduction to it was so sick that I'm intrigued AF. 
Well, it, it, it is going to be a good one. It may be, yeah, it's going to be tricky as we get into it. But. It'll be, in, well, Rogo, I'm going to read some, you know, an overview of Oppie's life and you guys just jump in whenever you want to. And can I just That's, say to any listeners oh, who are feeling yes. a little sensitive, if you are listening and you don't like the idea of uh, dying from a nuclear explosion or bomb, maybe yeah, trigger warning maybe for that. This isn't the episode for you. Yes, <laughs> if you're, yeah, trigger warning. This guy invented the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it. You boys, just just jump in. Oppenheimer was born in New York, like Scott, in 1904. Um, the similarities don't end there, boys. <clears throat> that's right. <laughs> Um, he got into, he did really well in uh, school. That's maybe not a shock, but I was thinking, what are they really teaching in schools in the 1910s? You know what I mean? They thought dinosaur bones were demons, probably. Yeah. Well, there's that classic Norman Rockwell painting of the schoolhouse, right? It's very quaint. And the teacher is writing on the chalkboard. Uh, here is how to build an atomic bomb. <laughs> <laughs> they actually surprisingly were teaching nuclear fission to uh, America's toddlers, <laughs> elementary school students in the 1960s. I feel like so, yeah. medical school then was like, just put a lemon on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like anything wrong. Try putting a <laughs> lemon on it. Yeah, no, um, it was a, it was a, it's a weird, it's weird to think that anybody got smart. Yeah. In history. It's true. You know, how yeah. did any of these fuckers learn anything? <clears throat> it took a long time. Uh, so <laughs> Oppenheimer got into Harvard in 1922. For some reason, uh, I read at this point that he had colitis, which I also have. A, I have a mild version of that. So that's kind of a cool connection. Whoa. Um, Oppenheimer majored in chemistry, but he also did experimental physics. Uh, and then in 1924, yeah, he experimented yeah. in college. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, he experimented. Um, hey, uh, would you two ladies like to come back to my dorm room? I have colitis. <laughs> I've also got one of those straw, weird, brimmed hats that people wear at college <laughs> in these days. <laughs> There's so much straw the, yeah. the floors of these dorm rooms. Back then. Everyone <laughs> yeah. punching their hands through them the, when they when their team wins. The bed mattress was for sure stuffed with they, straw. Absolutely, it was a straw. It was a it was a straw a more straw friendly world back then. Back then, everyone looked like Harold Lloyd. <laughs> There's so many questions I have about back then. You know? Oh, I know. No, I know. I would just love to take my DeLorean back then with my a sick. New York Mets hat <laughs> and be like, you know, the Brooklyn Robins, as they were called in 1918, because of manager Wilbur Robinson, there's going to be oh a team God, Scott. coming Holy here named the New York Metropolitans in 1962, son. And it's going to combine the colors of the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants, which both decamped yes, for the West Coast in 1957, the orange and blue motif. I would explain it to them so that maybe they'd understand. That's fucking 69, right? The amazing Mets. 62, they came, but 69, they won it. Mm. See, we're getting shit like that dropped in this episode. This is amazing. (laughs) Robert Oppenheimer didn't know about that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Mr. Oppenheimer, he went to England for a bit, and he went to Cambridge. And apparently Oppenheimer was clumsy in the lab, so they didn't trust him with the lab at first touching things, which is... Kind of wild, the guy who made the nuclear bomb. 
Reminds me of dropping um, stuff left, right, and center. Reminds me of Homer Simpson in a way. <laughs> uh, well, if you go to Cambridge, you immediately become like a bad dude. Uh, other graduates, just off the top of my head, Stephen Fry, John Cleese, Hugh Laurie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, I got this out of order, but uh, right, Oppenheimer was born into a Jewish family that was in the textile business. So yeah, there you go. Some and you, more Jewish content. There you go. And you're leaving out the fact that his full name is J. Robert Oppenheimer, and the yeah. J stood for Jewish. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Jewish well, Robert Oppenheimer. People with. should do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's nice his, to know, you know? His friends called him Jubob. As opposed to uh, <laughs> G. Robert Oppenheimer. Goy Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. It could go either way with a name like that, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you and I are C. Yeah. yeah. C. Michael, C. James. Yeah. Really? Catholic. I feel deceived. What did you think I was? <laughs> no, I there's oh, I thought you're you're telling me there's a C in front of your name. Like you're C James Harden and you're C Michael Balazzo. Like yeah. he's J well, Robert Oppenheimer. Did this. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't know that Oppenheimer was Jewish, but I do know that that well that trope that he said, I am become death, destroy mm-hmm. worlds when he saw the bomb go off. That's not actually true. What he actually said when the bomb went off, he went, Oi vey. <laughs> 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 the official like historian on the day just like scratched that out and uh, added the quote instead. It was a little oh, too yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, his his actually that's his, his one words of the funniest jokes that's ever been come up with on this podcast. His, his words when it went off were it couldn't be bigger. <laughs> oh my god. I'm getting a little warm. <laughs> Scott <laughs> Scott <laughs> How do you say oy vey in Yiddish? Does it go deeper? Oy gewalt Oy vedazin The full is like a, Not a vedazin Vedazin I don't know A vedazin is what you put in your eyes Sounds like asthma medication There's some great Yiddish words that I'm sure Bobby Oppenheimer knew Oh Evan told me a few really and good British words. Um, like a lot of insults for loser men. Like, uh, oh, yeah. what the hell? Putz. Can you think of... Well, there's obviously, yeah, putz. Schmuck. Oh, schmuck. Schmazel? Schlemiel, schlemiel. Oh, schlemiel, schmazel. Yeah, schlemiel, schmazel. <laughs> Love Schmeckle. those. Schmeckle's a great one. What is, what's a schlemiel and what's a schmazel? A schlemiel and schmazel are like two devices and I... Frankly, like much like thing one and thing two, yeah, it's basically the Yiddish thing one and thing two. But wait, this schmuck is in Cambridge just learning about physics. <laughs> um, uh, yes, that's right. And but he was unhappy at Cambridge. He wrote to a friend, "quote I am having a pretty bad time. The lab work is t- a terrible bore, and I am so bad at it that it's impossible to feel that I am learning anything." How about that? Wow. Um, and get this, Mike, you brought this up to me privately, but Oppenheimer did not like his tutor at Cambridge, and he actually confessed that he left that tutor an apple doused with noxious chemicals on his desk, and he almost got on probation for that. But Yeah, he left a poison apple for his uh, his goddamn tutor. He really liked these sort of grand allegories, you know, like the, the poison apple, he, he's quoting uh, the yeah. Gita. So, so he attempted to kill his tutor? He wasn't trying that to right? kill him. He was just, I think he probably just wa- wanted to give him diarrhea. That's my feeling. <laughs> Yikes. So, so, okay, evil scale's tilting one way right now. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Point two. I'll tell you that. Um, Oppenheimer was tall, 
He was thin. He was a chain smoker, and he neglected to eat in periods of intense thought. Gah, reminds me of Kate Moss. <laughs> um, he people said he had self destructive tendencies. What? I'm a self destroyer of worlds. <laughs> it's like Iggy uh, Pop. Yeah. So this one was confusing to me, but one time Oppenheimer was on a trip with a friend and acting really low and depressed. So the friend tried to distract him by telling Oppenheimer that he was going to marry his girlfriend. I think he meant his own girlfriend, not Oppenheimer's girlfriend. And for some reason, Oppenheimer got really mad and tried to strangle him. And so this was all to underscore that he had like some deep psychological troubles when he was young. The the more you learn about the guy, you're like, wow, yeah. this man who created the most terrifying weapon ever used in civilized like in in the history of civilization, he was like a deeply troubled and depressed guy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So far, he, guys, um, that evilometer, right, Matt? Uh, he's yep. at a ten for me. He's at Whoa. a ten already. He's at a ten. Oh this man is is trying to uh, <clears throat> trying to poison his teacher. Yeah. He, he's is what's the other thing he did just then? Um, he strangled a he's friend strangling because friends? he was getting married. He's straight yeah. and he smokes cigarettes. Evil, yeah. evil. He's, He's like a mix of Bart Simpson, uh, the Boston Strangler, and Lou Reed. <laughs> to be fair, when I told you two guys that I was getting married, you did hit me. Yeah, but that's just you know, it's totally different. Podcast related. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm still trying to make a bomb too. <laughs> Um, Oppenheimer uh, once told his brother, quote, I need physics more than friends. Damn. Talk about, no offense, but kind of a loser. Talk about a bad date. Sounds like a nerd. So in 1926, (laughs) Oppenheimer left Cambridge for the University of Göttingen to stunder under Max Born. This was one of the leading centers for theoretical physics. How many fucking schools this guy's got to go to? (laughs) Yeah. That's not for the rest of us. I want to go to the university. Of yeah, it's the, not fair, man. One guy has Cambridge. three degrees. I can't get none. Look who has graduated <laughs> from Gottingen. Notable alumni. Werner Heisenberg, Ursula von der Leyen, Robert Koch, Enrico Robert Fer- Koch? Fermi, Enrico Fermi. And Danny Buttafuoco. <laughs> but is for Enrico Fermi the guy who came up with the Fermi paradox, James? I've got to think it is. Yeah, Max Born, Louisa Aliens, Henrietta Riker. So it's like it's it, Chris Goddard doesn't sound cool, but that did you say there was a guy who graduated from there called Robert Koch? Like K O C H. Oh, <laughs> and um, Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joey Buttafuoco. We've got to work in one more Joey we'll, Buttafuoco reference. We'll uh, strike the Danny Buttafuoco, and I will blame the edible <laughs> on that one. Um, so during this period, Oppenheimer and Born published a famous paper on the Born-Oppenheimer approximation, which separates nuclear motion from electric motion in mathematical treatment of molecules, allowing nuclear motion to be neglected to simply calculations. Oh, I can't wait to see that in the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was his most cited work. They could have called us the Born Oppenheimer identity. <laughs> I heard Christopher Nolan uh, has a, there's a cameo from Christian Bale as Batman looking over his shoulder going, nice, nice. 
Nice, nice. Nice. It's an insane visual. <laughs> well, actually, a lot of people a lot of people listening don't know this, but Robert Oppenheimer is also the scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if they put Batman mm-hmm. in this movie and he's chasing down the scarecrow, which he thinks is masquerading as his Oppenheimer dude. I would love yeah. that. The he's, scarecrow could could go by Oppenheimer and they yes. look at each other and the scarecrow <laughs> says to him, "You look familiar, buddy." I would love it if the atom bomb explodes and creates the mushroom cloud. And on top of the mushroom cloud is a seated version of Batman holding his tuchus going ow 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 ow. <laughs> or they pa- the in the when the bomb goes off, it cuts to the Batman's bathroom and he's trying to pee with a boner. Oh, it, yeah, in that like crazy suit. I lo- I would love to see Batman's boner come out of that suit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's actually a I would like to see it too now that you say it. Well, Nolan is experimenting have- with nudity now, so maybe the next one. <laughs> Where did he just woke up my dog? I just startled my dog with my insane hysterical physical. It's a puppy. What's his you name? did this to him. You scared him. You got me laughing so hard I made uncanny sounds. You think Once we your- scared your your dog? Wait till he sees the atom bomb. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck, guys? Batman and Oppenheimer. Someone's got to do this. Make this like a YouTube cut, you know? Someone's doing it. Let's do this. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. So uh, Oppenheimer worked with a guy named Linus Pauling, and they were close friends. During research on chemical bonds, uh, both their collaboration and their friendship ended when Linus Pauling began to suspect that Oppenheimer was becoming too close to his wife. Once when Pauling was at work, Oppenheimer arrived at their home and invited the guy's wife to join him on a tryst in Mexico. That's Mike's move. Mike always <laughs> asks ladies to go on trysts in Mexico. Interestingly, wow. it was around this time where Oppenheimer had another famous quote, I am life, the fucker of wives. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I am death and I'm also freaking horny. <laughs> That's not cool. He's, uh, yeah, macking on his friend's wives. That is not cool. I would never yeah. do that to any of you guys. And I hope you'd never do it to me. Thank you. Oh, we won't. <laughs> um, we <well>. won't. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking Mexico here. <laughs> That's a beautiful place. So um, the wife turned Oppenheimer down, but. The, the friend was really pissed off and it ended their friendship. And later during the Manhattan Project, Oppenheimer invited this Pauling guy to come work on it. And he said, no, that he's a pacifist. But I kind of wonder if he would have worked on it if Oppenheimer didn't try to sleep with his wife. Yeah. So uh, Oppenheimer starts working at Berkeley. And he's kind of getting into his own here. His students and his colleagues thought he was mesmerizing. Um, hypnotic in private interaction but often frigid in public settings. His he, also, he also walked onto the football team there as a quarterback. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing yeah, in the rule book that says back. a professor can't play for the college team. 
I thought he was an Emmett Smith style thick running back. Hard nosed. Yeah, like a fullback even. Yeah, um, yeah um, Gronk. Uh, the yeah. fullback is uh, frigid. <laughs> the loveliest fullback is probably on my friend's wife. <laughs> um, so, right. His associates, half of them thought he was aloof and a genius, and the other half thought he was a pretentious poser. But his students were enraptured with him, and they even kind of copied his walk, speech, and mannerisms. So Oppenheimer, when he'd write a paper, they were considered difficult to understand, even by the standards of the abstract topics he was an expert in. He was fond of using elegant, if extremely complex, mathematical techniques to demonstrate physical principles. Uh, though he was sometimes criticized for making simple mathematical mistakes out of haste. Kind of weird. So he makes sort of um, – he's dropping stuff in the labs, like clumsy in the labs. He makes a lot of like simple dumb mistakes, like forgot to carry the one. I mean, fucking – this could have gone really bad. He's he giving Jerry bomb? Lewis. <laughs> um, but he's so a good kisser. Night- he's a good kisser. And that's why they have him on staff. Yeah. <laughs> So during the 1920s... you're right. He's pretty careless. The nuclear bomb could have turned out bad. (laughs) (laughs) In the 1920s, Oppenheimer was not very political, but he got into politics in the 30s. Um, For one thing, he he, he earmarked 3% of his salary in 1934 to support German physicists fleeing Nazi Germany. Um. But in the 30s, he was like flirting with communism. He was kind of involved in different communist groups. And he married a woman in 1940, which was her fourth marriage. And they had a child. Oh, no. Um, Oppenheimer (laughs) did have an affair on her with a woman who wrote for a communist newspaper. Evil. And that became an issue later in life because they're like, "You, you slept with this communist. And he was like involved and had some communist leanings. Oh, right. Get that uh, commie pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. I'm, oh, yeah. There's a well, big scare in, your, going in, my on defense, in my bedroom. Your Honor. I needed that communist. Mm-mm. A specter's <laughs> haunting my underwear. Can't you see, wife? That's why I did this. God, I remember like when I was in school, I saw these old black and white grainy photos of like in Russia, just these giant long communist Russia, these giant long lines. <laughs> Of people just waiting outside, waiting to get that communist pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Much like Thailand, there's a lot of trade these days. I know Mike spends time there. There's a certain sex tourism going on in Thailand. Back then it was... It was happening. Yeah, yeah Mike, have you been going, telling us you're one, going to like, England one, and you're like, really going to Thailand? One old Nona was like, I thought this was for bread. <laughs> When she finally gets to the beginning, oh. front of the line. <laughs> oh, the end of the line to have sex with Oppenheimer. I can't eat yeah. this. <laughs> well, I guess I can. <laughs> oh, well. So he had a thing for for communist women writing at the local so news. Times were so bad. This is gonna this is gonna be edited out. Times were so bad during the depression that whole families had to share one pussy. That joke's not going anywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> so math was so easy for Oppenheimer. He he uh, 
it's almost too easy for him. So he he took an interest in the mystical and the cryptic a bit because that was maybe more challenging to his mind. And he was really interested in Hindu scriptures in particular. He said the Bhagavad Gita shaped his philosophy of life. Hmm. It's pronounced Bhagavad Gita. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for helping me. (laughs) I actually did look it up and that's, I thought what he said, but the stupid thing I saw was probably wrong. So let's talk Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. Did you ever live in Manhattan, Scott, or was it always Brooklyn? I was born in Manhattan. Whoa. In the projects. <laughs> the Manhattan Projects. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was born in Manhattan, but in a hospital, and then I was qu- quickly escorted to the suburbs where I remained till I was 18. Kind of a neat thing for New York to have this project named after them. There's not a lot of Toronto projects or no. Halifax projects. But there is the Parsons project. The oh, Alan Parsons, the Alan Parsons project. project. Eye in the Sky, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, was it called the Manhattan Project because they wanted originally, did they want the bomb shaped like um, like an apple or like a cigar lounge or like uh, the, the Close, Copacabana Mike, or something? They wanted it shaped like a big slice of New York pizza. Yes. They wanted it to smell like, in fact, it does smell like pizza. It was a little bit of an Easter egg that these New York scientists put into the bomb. <laughs> when it went off, there was like a bunch of dough up there, a bunch of sauce, and a bunch of mozzarella cheese. And when that bomb went off, baby, mm. you better believe it created the world's biggest pizza pie. That was quickly disintegrated. <laughs> they also wanted to have it so when the bomb, just before the bomb hit something, it would actually say to the object it was going to strike, hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> hey, I'm bombing here. We want to have a bomb with that that certain attitude you only see in New York City. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, funny. Another great premise. So it's great October. Show. It's October 9th, nineteen forty one. So probably almost not Halloween. a great almost Halloween. Oh, it's all, on the bright years side, before Nirvana released. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Mike? Fifty years. Yeah, that's right. Fifty years. Wow. That's actually crazy. Oh, yeah. my God. And 1991 to now is 30 years. What the fuck? <laughs> so, uh, it, okay. It's October 9th, 1941. On the bright side, yes. Three weeks from Halloween. On the downside, it is during World War II. Um, so this was two months before the U.S. entered the war. And President Franklin nice. D. Roosevelt approved a crash program to develop an atomic bomb. In 1942, someone called Leslie Groves was appointed director of what became known as the Manhattan Project. He selected Oppenheimer to head the project's secret weapons laboratory. And this choice surprised a lot of people because Oppenheimer was like this left-wing guy with no record as a leader of large projects. Groves was concerned by the fact that Oppenheimer didn't have a Nobel Prize and wasn't quite as prestigious as some other scientists, but and, and he, that he tried to poison his tutor with an apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a strike against. But he was impressed with his grasps of all different kinds of knowledge, and also that Oppenheimer had an overweening ambition that he thought. That's going to supply the drive necessary to make this project successful. And as it turned out, it was a real bold choice that this guy chose Oppenheimer, but in retrospect, considered a stroke of genius. And, and apparently they wanted him too because um, Oppenheimer had a New York state of mind. <laughs> That's very true. You know, it just occurred to me though, he, he was a New Yorker, but imagine 
if J. Robert Oppenheimer were born in Canada. Oh and, my God! Wow. And, he wouldn't and, have had a chance. Imagine well, he could have gone to. Well, Harvard no, I, I imagine it would have been. A, it played out similarly, but it would have been the right honorable William Lyon Mackenzie King appointing <laughs> him to direct the Mrs. Saga project. <laughs> and I believe it would have gone so cool. a little something like this: <laughs> I am become death, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the Mississauga Project. Here's another idea. Canadian Oppenheimer. And you remake yeah, the whole we film honestly, shot for shot. Yeah. But just they go out to Fort Mac instead of Los Alamos. hundred <laughs> percent. They're in medicine hat. They instantly start a forest fire that lasts for a month. <laughs> they, the bomb gets delayed because they keep eating too many donuts. <laughs> Yeah. Instead of cigarettes, he's just constantly shoving poutine in his mouth all movie long. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll I would like Patreon. That. Another Patreon idea. Yeah, we'll do all this. Sign up, fellas. Sign up, Love people that. listening. So he was he's now the director of the the Galdorn Manhattan Project. That's right, Michael. And uh, in late 1942. They're, they're looking, so where are we going to house this project? Where are we going to do this? And Oppenheimer Brooklyn, said, you know what? The Bronx. Uh, well, Michael, you might think Staten that. Staten Island. You might think that because he's a, he's a New York guy like Scott. But <laughs> no, Oppenheimer was drawn to New Mexico, not far from his ranch. I've never been to New Mexico, but oh, New I bet Mexico. it's nice weather in the winter. Yeah. They picked a place near Santa Fe that was home to a private boys' school <laughs> because it had Naughty. a really flat mesa. There wasn't a lot around. I don't know what the deal was that in this basically desert there was a private boys' school there. Why? But the, the desert boys. It, that's where they're educated. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You don't want to know what went on in that school. It was evil. Good, they all good, signed like, up by accident boys are, because they boy. thought they were going to school in desert. <laughs> good boys are seen and not heard and very 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 hot and dry <laughs> as well my school days yeah. were awful i hated school and they blew up nuclear bombs just outside of it also <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they built the los alamos laboratory on the site of the school taking over some of its buildings and they erected a bunch of new buildings in great haste they basically made a town at the laboratory, Oppenheimer assembled a group of top physicists, which he called the Luminaries. Luminaires. Dramatic. Oh, hey, my God. Which, hey. Which, you know, the, the, the folks. the fucking Lumineers in the Manhattan Project? Oh, that'd be amazing. Hey, hey, hey. Banjos. Hey, hey, hey. So Los Alamos was initially supposed to be a military lab, and Oppenheimer and other researchers were going to be commissioned into the army. Oppenheimer even went so far as to order himself a lieutenant's uniform and take the army physical test, which he failed. Army <laughs> doctors considered him underweight at 128 pounds, thought he had tuberculosis, and were concerned about his joint pain. Good Jesus God. Christ. <laughs> That's, That's kind of embarrassing. That's body right there. He's like, no, we're part of the army. We sign up for all of it. And then they're like, oh, dear God. You're dying, sir. <laughs> yeah, better invent a bomb fast. <laughs> Oppenheimer had hugely underestimated the magnitude of this project. Los Alamos grew from a few hundred people in 1943 to over 6,000 people in 1945, like a full town. Wow. At first, Oppenheimer had difficulty kind of organizing large groups, but he he got the hang of it. And um, 
in the in the whole process of this, he was noted for his mastery of scientific um, of the scientific aspects of the project and his efforts to control the inevitable cultural cultural conflicts between scientists and the military. He was an iconic figure to his fellow scientists, as much of a symbol of what they were working toward as anything. So he was just like they really believed in Oppenheimer, this odd, weird guy. So it's uh, it's a lot of pressure at this time. Goes without saying, they were all anxious that maybe the Germans are there. Like they, you know, the, what if the Germans finish their atomic weapon before we do? Like, what will that do to the war and the world? I mean, it's kind of super scary, huh? Yeah. In 1943, they tried to make. So the first thing they were doing was like trying to make a plutonium gun fission fission weapon called Fuck. Thin Man. So like a nuclear gun. Isn't that crazy? Fucking idiots. Yeah, that is dumb. Yeah. Like a That's Martian ray work. gun. I was thinking of a Martian <laughs> ray gun, Chris. Yeah. Like in Mars Attacks. Right. They watched too much Mars Attacks back then. Got, oh, yeah. got the idea in their head. <laughs> in 1944, Oppenheimer said, oh, I am so over that stupid gun design. And he decided to make an implosion type weapon instead using chemical explosive lenses, a subcritical spear, sphere, of fissile material could be squeezed into small, a smaller and denser form. That was the basis of this bomb. The joint work of the scientists of Los Alam- Alamos resulted in the world's first nuclear explosion. Whoa. It happened near Alama- Alamo Gordo, New Mexico, Alamo on July sixteenth, nineteen forty-five. I've been there. I've been to Los Alamos gift shop. Has a really? great For real? red. Whoa, oh, yeah. cool. I've been. I've been. I did a nice little road trip to the Southwest. Alamogordo. So you saw the site where the bomb went off? I didn't go all the way out there. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know if they let you out there. It's probably still on a protected you know, military base, I'm guessing. It's also probably highly contaminated. That's so a good point. likely no chance you can go there. But Los Alamos is a town still. The gift shop has a fantastic red chili burrito. Just like Oppenheimer wanted. It was, I need that the, right now. It's called the Bobby, the Bobby B. It's it's <laughs> apparently he was a red chili guy. There's a red chili green chili debate in New Mexico. If you're not familiar with it, it's this uh, you know New Mexico green chili. It's like their whole thing, and then the red people like red chili, and it's a huh. anyway like chili sauce. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. There's like different types of chilies. Like hmm. if you go to a restaurant there, you basically ask. They ask you red or green, and you get one or the other. And like, there's a, it's basically like a sharks in a jet situation. That's a awesome. lot of gang wow. violence splitting the towns of Albuquerque, Santa Fe. I'm imagining the, the scientists day. picked like green and the military picked red, and it created a lot of tension at Los Alamos. Yeah, Mike, I right. have that here that that did happen. <laughs> so uh, this site where the bomb went off, it was codenamed Trinity. Makes me think of the actress from The Matrix. The right. site was www.trinity.xhamster slash free trial. <laughs> so they, they did it. The goddamn fucking bomb worked. I Look. did. I haven't read this, but I did see in the Oppenheimer trailer. So this might be somewhat inaccurate, but in the trailer, Matt Damon says, so you're telling me this bomb could destroy the entire world? And then Killian Murphy goes, it probably won't or something. Yeah. And then, and then another guy goes, goes what? but Probably. it might make a Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't read anything about that, and I don't know and what they Batman say in the movie. Goes, 
That's pretty cool. <laughs> I wonder what, how much they thought this could literally destroy the entire Earth just by go. Imagine they, they dude. Imagine human life and the planet ended because yeah. they tried to test a bomb. And no one that? would have known because they was all secret. Would just be tests. everyone dead forever. Yeah, but that just happened like ten years ago with the Large Hadron Collider. Right. Like everybody else was like, wait, can you please not try to make a black hole? <laughs> Right. On planet on Earth. Earth, and scientists were like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> yeah, like the scientists must have known there was. A a... <laughs> yeah, they were. We're trying to recreate a Hoyukin in the Large Hadron Collider. It's either us or the Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to recreate Ryu's Hoyukin fireball. Ryu and Ken. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It's important That's for science. Really funny. I'm Just scared my dog. The, the Hayukin ball of fire <laughs> flying around the Hadron Collider. <laughs> Someone recut the Oppenheimer trailer for that too, please. Yeah. Oppenheimer. This Hayukin uh, fireball cannot <laughs> escape these pipes, <laughs> <laughs> or it could destroy the Earth. <laughs> I want to make a sober point. About just yes, the, the 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 gravity of this. James just brought it up. I saw it in the same trailer. That moment where you're like, we could end everything as well. The fucking balls, mm. right? To, mm -hmm. to, I mean, you, Scott, or, you know, only a New Yorker, only a New Yorker would have the balls to do that. Yeah, and you know, all this is a roundabout way of saying Bobby was hung, baby. <laughs> this man, <laughs> this man had a hog, much like Milton Berle, famously. Would it Ew, say that's it, so in a, disgusting? In a penis measuring Burl's dick. Think about that. Think about Milton Burl's penis. This is a true Blech. anecdote. They measure each other's penises, and they'd be like, uh, "Milton, uh, you, you, you want to beat my, my penis?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'll take out as much as I need to." So we just were talking about they successfully tested a that's right bomb, and Oppenheimer said ah. about this first ever nuclear explosion. He said, "Quote." We knew the world would not be the same. A few people laughed. A few people cried. Most people were silent. I remember the line from the Hindu scriptures, scripture, the Gita. Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him, takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another. We're all thinking this, right, fellas? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, Oppenheimer. A general described Oppenheimer's reaction like this. He said, Dr. Oppenheimer, on whom had rested a very heavy burden, grew tenser as his as the last seconds ticked off. He scarcely breathed. He held on to a pulse to steady himself. For the last few seconds, he stared directly ahead. And when the announcer shouted, now, and there came this tremendous burst of light, followed shortly thereafter by the deep growling roar of the explosion his face relaxed into an expression of tremendous relief uh, another person described him like after the bomb going off as having like he had kind of a strut like he was walking around in high noon <laughs> he was like yeah baby well, you can't tell about the way I want my walk I'm a woman's man <laughs> yeah <laughs> but they did they did call Oppenheimer the father of the atom bomb Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 It just got me thinking how maybe 
how proud he was of his son. If he had carried a picture of his son around in his wallet, had some like mushroom clouds to show up <laughs> some people at the office. Yeah, so yeah he shows, there's a picture in, picture of him pushing the mushroom cloud on a swing. Yeah. He takes the mushroom cloud to T-ball. <laughs> He's trying to <laughs> He's teaching the mushroom cloud about the birds and the bees. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and how the mushroom cloud destroys all of them within a 10,000 mile radius. Yeah. <laughs> so after the bomb went off, Oppenheimer's happy. He he took the stage um, at an assembly at the at the place and he, he clasped his hands together like a prize winning boxer over his head and the crowd cheered. And Oppenheimer was like, God, I wish this had been available in time to use against Nazi Germany. But well, I had, sorry, had Hitler already had Germany already um, surrendered and Hitler was dead by the time the successful I think that must be the case happened? because yeah. I don't understand what the what it would mean otherwise. Yeah, and this is tr- this is another sober true point I'm going to bring up because I did a little research on this myself and mm-hmm. we have been talking about the Jewish background of Oppenheimer and many of his other scientists there. There was an element of these guys building this bomb because we'll get into the ethics of this at the end, I assume. But they're thinking they know this bomb is going to kill a lot of people. But mm-hmm. they thought this bomb will end the war, will specifically defeat Hitler and the Nazis, who were obviously doing these atrocities. So there was like a personal vendetta. It's mm-hmm. almost like an Eli Roth movie, uh, whereby it's like, <laughs> think of, you know, how his characters might have this, you know, or maybe like Inglorious Bastards, maybe. Right, like that. sort of like revenge. And Eli Roth did not make that movie, but he is in it, so I call it an Eli Roth movie. <laughs> and that really pisses off the Tarantino heads. Okay, so <laughs> World War II was officially ended September 1945. Nuclear bomb was tested 16 July 1945. Yeah, I mean, I just said that. Germany... Uh, <laughs> Had surrendered technically Monday, May seventh, nineteen forty-five. Right. So Germany. Sorry, did you say all that? Yeah. The point was they they wish they could have defeated Germany with it, which was around earlier, and they but had that like personal say, motive. Scott, they had that personal motive for the Nazi for the Nazis. He, he, well, we know he was funding people getting out of Nazi Germany. So yeah, yeah. maybe he was like, "Oh, I wish I could have bombed Hitler's butt." Yeah. Well, he'd burn that mustache right off his face. And burn that face right off his face, <laughs> along so, with the mustache. So Oppenheimer, at first, he's like, "We did it, baby!" Uh, but yeah, baby. Then he kind of, when they bombed Nagasaki, he was really upset. He was like, "I don't think that was necessary." In um, fact, he said, "Guys, this is a bit extra." Literally, he did. Well, not literally, but he was. That's what he thought. A hundred percent. He um he was really upset about it, and um he actually traveled to Washington in August of that year uh, to hand deliver a letter to a Secretary of War expressing his revulsion about it. Yeah, apparently he, wished- he said, "I am become concerned." Actually, <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to see all nuclear weapons banned. Um, so was, this that was after- quick. <laughs> I know. This is like right after both of the bombs were dropped on Japan. He yeah. was like, oh no. Uh, imagine said, your son was just born and you were like, get this out of here. <laughs> he disowned his own son. Yeah. The age of like, dad. The age dad. Of yeah, months. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's the, the evil of Oppenheimer is that he's dad. a deadbeat dad. Yes. 
<laughs> he should become the deadbeat father of the Adam Bam, is what we should be calling him. <laughs> Oppenheimer said he felt he had blood on his hands. Oppenheimer said all this to Truman, Harry Truman, and Harry Truman was pissed. Harry Truman said, quote, I don't want to see that son of a bitch in this office ever again. <laughs> they were kind of mad. Like, yeah. don't be don't be upset about the nuclear bomb. You made it, man. He called him a crybaby scientist. I, I, this is true. So the Manhattan Project was top secret and was not public knowledge until after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's kind of crazy. So I guess the average person in public had, you know, had no idea that America could even do that. Yeah. So Harry has Truman's like... Shut the fuck up. Basically. <laughs> and the public didn't know about the Manhattan Project. They had no idea this was going on. And then there were the bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I guess everyone was like, oh, what the hell? First of we all, had, that blows these my bombs? mind. Yeah, yeah, that blows my mind. Second, totally get that you need it to be top secret. Yeah. Um, but third, yeah. Imagine waking up on that news day and being like, yeah. sorry, what? And and maybe you're so war weary. Your first thought is like, oh, we got him. But then you think about the implications. Oh, my God. Yeah. Terrible. So Oppenheimer was this instant celebrity. He was like the national spokesman for science who was emblematic of a new technocratic power. He became a household name and he was on the covers of Life, Time, and uh, McLean's no, just life and time. <laughs> teen beat. <laughs> a teen beat would have been a funnier one. Or tiger beat. What do they call it? Tiger beat. Yeah, he was actually on the cover of Lifetime and the Seinfeld magazine they printed when the show ended. <laughs> so he was like the Julian Casablancas of his day. <laughs> yes, Mike. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> the commemorative Seinfeld. <laughs> I have that at home. That's such a great poll. That's so funny. <laughs> Apparently in his interviews in those magazines, he says, I am become death and it sucks. <laughs> so, I love it. <laughs> needless to say, this invention or this whatever it was, he made this bomb and it changed the whole world, obviously. Um, nuclear, nuclear physics b- became a powerful force as all governments of the world began to realize the strategic and political power that came with nuclear weapons. Like many scientists of his generation, Oppenheimer felt that security from atomic bombs would come only from a transnational organization, such as the newly formed United Nations, which could institute a program to stifle a nuclear arms race. So he kind of like had, he didn't want there to be like weird um, stalemates with the state, the United States and Russia and all that. So post-war now, the Allies won, Woo! and the first atomic t- uh, bomb test by the Soviet Union happened in 1949. You know, I read this book, this history book that said that from 1945 to 1949, the United States had the only nuclear weapon capabilities in the world. And mm-hmm. there were people in the American government who were like, okay, Russia's making a nuclear bomb. I know the World War II just ended, but we got to bomb them. To stop them from getting it. And in this book I read, it was like uh it was by the guy who did hardcore history, I think. He um he was saying that there's never been another example in history that he is aware of where a country or kingdom or whatever could have preemptively attacked because like the stronger just attacks, you know, that wow. a, that a nation could have attacked wow. and blown up Russia and and been fine for maybe a hundred years and they didn't. I mean, I'm not sure they deserve a pat on the back for that, because but 
It's kind of interesting. <laughs> no, I mean, point. that is interesting. And, and honestly, I think the 1946, America could have just said, sorry, Musk, sorry, Russia. Right. You know, you're trying to make the bomb, so we're going to totally. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, but. And then we wouldn't have had this Ukrainian invasion. Yeah, we wouldn't have had a lot of stuff. I mean, how do you live on the planet, like, <laughs> even 50 years later, knowing that you eviscerated half of it you know what i mean it's true it's so you know that's a good point the difference is you basically this isn't, be living in a room full of ghosts you know what i mean and, and that's such a good point because this isn't like oh we rolled a few tanks in and you know what i mean like yeah man it's it would literally be like death. eliminating a quarter of the yeah human it's race. It'd be like as bad as that, that, the, there's actually a really there's an interesting you know alternative history someone could write uh, mm. m- much like didn't someone write the man in the high castle isn't it all about like had Nazis won yeah right yeah. Philip K. So, Dick. so right so if you did a revisionist history where like America won which I guess it technically did but then became like this crazy fascist ruler of the world wielding its nuclear bomb yeah. preventing anyone else from getting it and being just like an ultra right fascistic play. I mean, we kind of are already, but can, can imagine like if we had that power as well, we had the only, we're the only ones with a bomb. It's a scary time. Actually, I'm thinking badly about America now. I want to leave. Help. You'll be fine. <laughs> Save me, please. Home um, of Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, yeah it's home that's of Johnny right. Depp. And Lily Rose Depp now. All right. <clears throat> like I said, it's uh, 1949 and now the Soviets have the bomb too. Oh shit. Do, 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 so, do, 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 so do, the US do, do, government and the scientific communities and the military, they all get together and they go, shit, we had the bomb. Now Russia has the bomb. Should we make a super bomb? <laughs> and that was a hydrogen bomb. So it's still nuclear fusion based like the atom bomb, but this one is a hydrogen bomb and it was known as the super and Oppenheimer had been aware of the possibility of this kind of thermonuclear weapon since the Manhattan Project, and he'd done a little work to the possibility. But immediately after the war, Oppenheimer was like, no, let's not build the super bomb, please. There's uh, due to the fact that it would have enormous human casualties and we just we don't need it. But guess fucking what? Yeah. 1950, Harry Truman said, Actually, Oppenheimer, why don't you shut the hell up? And he supported the development of a hydrogen bomb. But a Oppenheimer, yeah. yeah. Oh no! What's, Sorry. Explain this. Go ahead. Explain, no, explain this weapon. Uh, hundreds of times more powerful than the atomic bombs dropped on Japan during World War II. Hundreds Ouch. of times. That's and insane. For, and for context, um, the estimated death toll between Hiroshima and Nagasaki was between 130,000 and 230,000 people, mostly civilians. So imagine a bomb. 10 to 20 million. 10 to 20 million people dead. But you know what? No, no. Not even the casualties. Oh, oh, if the big one went off. Yeah. 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 It's not even the casualties of that bomb going off. It's like the actual rock of the planet Earth would be permanently damaged yeah. and fuck with how earth moves you know what i mean i know what you mean it would yeah. crumble probably earth would be like ow what was that <laughs> yeah ow bro yeah don't <laughs> it's like a little mosquito it's like a mosquito biting us that would be a, a, nu- a thermonuclear bomb going up on earth <laughs> fuckers so was um, he now like again. campaigning uh, against the use of or the creation of the hydrogen bomb or was he like yeah, anti-nuke? He didn't think they should do it. 
He didn't think they should do it. Only because he wanted his name in the Guinness Book of World Records for a person who developed the most deadliest bomb. <laughs> now he's out. He's out of there. God damn it. So um, next sort of area is he was basically the chief celebrity victim of McCarthyism. That's right. The father of the atomic bomb superstar, he he got kind of screwed over by on a communist hunt. Him and Charlene Chaplin. Hmm. Yeah. Because, and it's a lot of it's because Oppenheimer did have communist ties in the 1930s and they thought he was a Soviet agent or that's what they said. And in 1953, he lost his security uh, clearance. It's, and a former colleague but he testified, like, I don't know, Oppenheimer's a little weird. Um, he could have been a spy. This guy ended Teller. his life like that's Willie Loman. Everyone's yeah. like, ah. He's- <laughs> no. This guy, Edward Teller, you know, he may be the real evil man here. Well, uh, yes, because he, he was like, I should take over. Right. This guy did, did, developed the thermonuclear bomb, Teller. And people got pissed at Teller. He was like, people were mad at him because Oppenheimer was still seen as like, I'm this, you know, legend of the scientific community and a martyr to McCarthyism. And then Penn um, and Teller took over the nuclear program. <laughs> what? And then Penn and Teller. Yeah. <laughs> no, this guy's name was, was, they knew cause they knew Teller wouldn't talk. He was Hungarian. Like he they knew Hungarian. he wouldn't say any secrets. <laughs> yes. No, it's actually a fascinating thing to get into this life story between Teller and, and, uh, and Oppenheimer. There's definitely a feud there. <laughs> But there's some really interesting dynamic. I'm serious. I listened to some podcasts about this to prepare because I don't want to come on like some kind of idiot. Mm-hmm. And this Teller guy who was born Teller Eddy in Hungary. Yes, he's yeah. Hungarian. Is that Slavic, Mike? Uh-oh. I think they're Slavics, but yes, they're – yeah, there's there's certainly something. Yeah, so Oppenheimer was like, ex- like kind of exiled – not exiled, but he like just sort of semi-humiliated disgrace. Like not too bad, but – he was this victim of um, kind of a public embarrassment. They tried to besmirch his name and, uh, you know, he wasn't. And they even did look into it and he was not a spy in any way. So eventually, though, people were like, come on, you can't exile, you know, Oppenheimer away from the community. Like, he's really smart. So JFK awarded Oppenheimer the Enrico Fermi Award in 1963 as a gesture of political rehabilitation. In what year? 63. Oh, uh, right before he died. Best year for President uh, JFK. No. uh, Yeah, yeah. 38 years before the release of Nevermind. (laughs) (laughs) And Scott, you were saying it was like interesting with this Teller guy because eventually Teller also was like, yeah, let him back in the mix. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's 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 wild. And then Teller lived to be 95. He, the guy died in 2003. We were what living amongst all four of us and probably many of our listeners, if not all, were living amongst Edward Teller at one time in our lives. Wow. The inventor of the thermonuclear bomb, yeah, a bomb a hundred times more powerful. The man who really should be the subject of this episode, but the SEO numbers just aren't there, guys. So we won't <laughs> go on with that, but I'm, much, like the, much like the Coen brothers called Fargo Fargo instead of Brainerd. Another little fun fact. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Just doesn't roll off the tongue as well. well apparently, is kind of like when name. like Edward Teller vouched for him to come back, he basically said about Oppenheimer. There's a quote of him saying, "Yo, honestly though, you got to give the guy his props." <laughs> <laughs> so why don't, why don't I sum up here? I'll sum it yeah. up. So Oppenheimer uh, died from throat cancer, probably from smoking in 1965. Uh, so, 1967. Oh. 
<laughs> so he, I like to think the that he year got the to, Leafs last won the cup. To hear Sergeant also, Peppers, he probably uh, got to experience the Magical Mystery Tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's hope, let's hope as he was coughing up his lungs, wheezing away, <laughs> he heard the strains of Hello, the Magical Mystery Tour. His last words were actually, "What does I am the Walrus mean?" <laughs> <laughs> But he was, yeah, I'll, apparently he was uh, like I am a, become walrus. <laughs> he was like a chain-smoking, like, cra- yeah. maniac. He just yeah. smoked every minute, yeah. every second and minute of the day. That's so awesome. Smoked cigs every day. <laughs> just to, like, sum up sort of the ethical dilemma that his life presents. Um, so Oppenheimer kind of symbolized the folly of scientists who believe they could control the use of their own research and the dilemmas of moral responsibility presented by science in the nuclear age. There was an article I read by Kai Bird in the New York Times, and uh, that person wrote, Oppenheimer was destroyed by a political movement characterized by know-nothing anti-intellectual demagogues. Those witch hunters are the direct ancestors of our current political actors of a certain paranoid style. The writer also says, quantum physics has utterly transformed our understanding of the universe. And this science has also given us a revolution in computing power and incredible biomedical innovations to prolong human life. Oppenheimer did not regret what he did at Los Alamos. He understood that you cannot stop curious, curious human beings from discovering the physical world around them. One cannot halt the scientific quest, nor can one uninvent the atomic bomb. But Oppenheimer always believed that human beings could learn to regulate these technologies and integrate them into a sustainable and humane civilization. We can only hope he was right. Regulate! <laughs> you got to legalize it. So that's 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 powerful stuff, man. That's powerful stuff. And, and, and as you're reading that last part there, it, it begs the question. I mean, do you believe in the theory of just we're almost almost predetermination. I, I think Chuck Klosterman writes about it. Like we're all just playing roles, all of us. And like you know, like Winston Churchill was just playing the role of this guy who was going to be the you know leader of England that time. And, and 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 like Oppenheimer, I mean, we ascribe all this to him, but he's basically saying humans are going to explore. You can't stop the scientific quest. Mm-hmm. This was going to be discovered by somebody. I happen to be me. I'm the guy who's playing the role of the one who destroys the world. I know because like Chris and I were talking to Aaron Eves about this today about AI and you know it's yeah, tough. Someone's going to do it. Like yeah, we're we're going we're there. There's gonna, no stopping it. I know we can't. I don't think we can really stop. <laughs> we're already there. Yeah. So it's just the human story. I think the human story includes to destroy ourselves. We've created things that could destroy us. Fuck, when guys. humans first like started, you know, and we were just like cavemen or whatever, there'd be a guy that would like eat a piece of shit and then he would get sick and die and his friends would learn not to eat a piece of shit right that's how literally (laughs) evolution began his name was og (laughs) yeah ogenheimer we all praise ogenheimer but you know what i'm saying yeah yeah no i mean you're right it's just it's just like there's gonna there's going to be someone who comes along and does it. I mean, the like, mm-hmm. oh, I shouldn't walk into the fire. Now we know. You know, a few people had to burn themselves to death. 
to learn that fire is bad. It's like if you're blaming Oppenheimer, you could blame Einstein. You know what I mean? Like someone, it's like how someone eventually is gonna put a USB charger on a flashlight. Yeah, it's like it's gonna happen. So. It, it just it makes has. sense. It's the right yeah. thing to do. Like, it, there's no point fretting about it. The inexorable you know? You're gonna be able to charge USB devices on a flashlight. Exactly. It's like scientists are gonna invent a bicycle where the seat is just a dildo that goes up and down. <laughs> well, it seems like <laughs> the the fact that they were all building this, thinking that like this is for f- fucking Hitler. We're gonna get Hitler with this, and yeah. then. Germany resign, uh, resigns. They resigned. They surrendered and Hitler blew his fucking brains out. Yeah. And then it's like... Um, Kills a bunch Ju- of innocent people in Japan. And it was like, it is unclear whether they needed to do that to make Japan finally surrender. And it, it sounds doesn't seem like, like absol- they had to. It seems like absolutely not the second one. Oh, God, no. Like, that and, was a oh, hell yeah. no. And it, yeah, was, yeah. it seemed like it was one of those things where it's like we built it and the military just loves to fight and do wars. And right. like, we have to we have to obviously use this. Like, Fuck, yeah. you're right, Mike. But also it's But it not- wasn't like they were tinkering it in their back, in their garage, like Steve Jobs. Like, oh, we came up with this. They yeah. were hired by the military to do it. But I mean, once I thought of it, yeah. like you were saying, like, yeah, Russia didn't have it until 49. I felt like when they didn't have to do it with Japan, they were still not doing it for the war purposes, but they were doing it for like, it was like flexing in a, Stunt. in a sick stunt. Like, it was probably mm-hmm. for sure sending a message to like, I, it's embar- their very yeah. recent allies, the Russians. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it that's was so like, true, Mike. it was weirdly a message. That's what's so weird about it and it gross was, about it. It was basically a pawn in what would become the cold war. Like it started mm. kicking it off. Like, look, yeah. you know, big swing and dick over here. That's yeah, what it was. Exactly. It was a dick he was like dropping your dick, dick on the table or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is it time for Hundreds. us to be visited by the evil amateur? Oh, here it comes with uh, two cigarettes in its little metal mouth, and it's reading the how do you say it, Chris? The that the book of prayer, the Bhagavad Gita, and in the Bhagavad Gita, baby. And it's it's asking me if it can take my wife to dinner. No. No, Evilometer, no. Mike, don't let, trust me, don't let it. Yeah. Evilometer, you want to take Mike's wife to Mexico? <laughs> and it's building a scary twist. weapon. Hello, Evilometer. Hmm. You guys go first because I haven't thought about it yet because I was reading all that. Me neither. Well, Scott, you're our guest and you chose I mean, the damn topic. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think yeah, about it's, Jay tu- Robert? This is a tough one for me. It's like he does seem like he was genuinely trying to do the right thing. He understood that there would be many casualties with this bomb. He, you know, he he did maybe naively think that man could harness this power truly and purely for good. And now that we've built this bomb, we don't need to show off anything. We're done with the bomb building. We're good on this. Time to, you know, more of more positive directions. But fudge, man, like you didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to. Not just because you do. can. Not just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. I mean, mm-hmm. what if he if he was truly not evil, he would have come up with these plans for the atom bomb and like had that moment where he's kind of looking at him and kind of thinking like, should I show this to no, he crumples it up and throws it in the fireplace and the it's camera great, holds on mm, the fireplace right. as those crumpled plans burn slowly away. That would have been truly a purely good man because he didn't do that. I'm going to give him a 0. 0.8. 
<laughs> I love that score. I can go next because nice. I thought about it. Okay. And I just c- couldn't agree more with what Scott said. I give him a 1.0. Whoa. Ah, 0.9. 0.9. Holy shit. I don't think he meant anything. I don't think he, he was really thinking about how he was doing any harm. He was just a obsessed scientist. And but you gotta give him a little. I think you have to give him just a little because you know, he was the father of this uh Pretty horrible bomb. So he knew the ramifications. Yeah, yeah, that you got to give him a towards. little. I'm back to 1.0. <laughs> All the secondhand smoke from his cigarette smoking might have killed somebody. So actually, I'm making. Well, him a, that's true. I'm making a 2.8. Okay. <laughs> um, Michael or Chris? Well, I I can go. I I, I guess because the Manhattan Project started in 1942 when it looked like who knew if Germany was going to dominate and win the war. And if they thought they were fighting the Nazis, uh, you can see why they'd throw everything they had at this thing. And Oppenheimer clearly as a Jewish guy, probably also had a personal stake in this. Uh, And he was a genius and absent-minded professor. I can't say that his motives were evil. So yeah, he Wanted to end the war, I imagine, with Hitler. I'll give him a, a two. Mm, number two. Ah oh, man. Mike summed it up perfectly, and that's what I was going to say, too. And I'm also going to do it at two, because, uh, yeah, he, he still ultimately knew the ramifications of what he was working towards. Yeah. You can't deny it. You so it's like, even if you're... If your brain is super just physics uh, calculations and it's your primary love and you're obsessed and you're the number one scientist, uh, it's still like, what am I working on here? Yo, if he was legit a good dude, 100% all the way. The minute they figured out that bomb, he should like whipped out a fucking machine gun and gunned down every <laughs> scientist in that room and then taken his own life. Seriously. <laughs> it's a bold take. That but... been, imagine that, honestly. Yeah. He would have spared all of us all this fucking shit. Although, instead of being like, the Nazis I have become death, I need to go get a burrito. <laughs> I'm hungry. I feel like, not to get that, too, too serious, but like maybe when they knew Germany had surrendered and Japan was on its last legs, whoever made the call to literally like, we're dropping this bomb. And then a few days later, we're dropping another one. That's, that seems to me the, where the evil is because someone else would have, some other team of scientists would have been hired to, that's a good point to build it for America. I think that's a good point. That second bomb is flat out uh, 10 out of 10 evil scale. Yeah. Yeah. But Bob, Whoever, remember, yeah. Oppenheimer was not involved in that. He didn't. That's, yeah, he, he was pissed he, off about he that. He was pissed sort of, off. Yeah. He was petitioning mm-hmm. against it. So that's not a point for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, another point for him, maybe a few points, depending on how you feel about this. But think about the inspiration. Scott, I'm just going to interrupt you because I think you're a little far from the mic. Sorry. Oh, a, a, another another uh, a point in favor of Oppenheimer is the fact that because he developed the atom bomb, the inspiration in our musical Heritage, Atomic Dog by P-Funk, Atomic Bomb by William Oneabor, Atomic by Blondie. How does huh? it dismantle an atomic bomb? The album by U2. 
Oh, there you go. Great. One of their best. We would have had the 84 Jefferson Starship album, Nuclear Furniture. <laughs> For our British listeners, there's Atomic Kitten. That probably wouldn't have existed. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Garbage Patch Kids would never have been as big a hit, perhaps not existed at all, if they had not included Adam Bomb. True. True. Oh, that's a classic. So these are points. I think for that I think really Adam good Bomb points. was one of the puzzles that you had to make with the other garbage pail kids to collect them all to make the puzzle of Adam Bomb. He was that popular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Without nuclear, without like there'd be no nuclear disaster, no Chernobyl, mm-hmm. no Three Mile Island, and those were pretty cool. So what was Nagasaki doing when this bomb dropped on them? Like were they just living? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was yep. civilians got killed. And like a bomb just dropped from the sky. Yeah. I'm and so- it killed like hundreds of thousands of people. Or so. We didn't we even talk about the fact that this bomb, the first one, was called the Enola Gay. Mm-hmm. And and it just think about this. Maybe this is a great way to wrap this all up because it kind of combines all the elements of evil men, our subject evil men and what he did and also, the immature sophomoric humor. But think about this fact. Of all the things they could have called that bomb, they happen to have chosen. They happen to have chosen the one word <laughs> in the entire English language which has undergone the most radical redefinition over the past 80 years. Well, Scott, I have to push back here. The Enola Gay was the name of the plane that dropped the yes. first bomb. Yes. But the bomb was Fat Man, and the second one was Little Boy. Well, Fat Man, exactly. Fat Man, Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> that was, I remember that to, show. To yeah. call this thing Fat Man, inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's the plane, whatever the fuck. Kevin I, Smith. They, inspired Kevin Smith to start his podcast. Inspired Kevin <laughs> Smith to gain weight. <laughs> but the plane, fine. The plane. Thank you for nitpicking the idea. The plane is Enola Gay. And it, the premise remains true. It's such an integral part of this whole mission. They could have named that thing anything. What yeah, are the could have named it odds? the tornado. What yeah. are the odds that they just yeah. chose of yeah that one word that again it just completely changed meaning and made school children titter for yeah, the last four years. When they were dropping that bomb on Hiroshima, the word gay back then, like Hemingway exactly. was writing exactly. I'm gay in all his books. Right. That's my point. But he but meant it, like I'm happy because I'm fishing or hunting or whatever. They should have called right. in retrospect, the plane should have been called the cis. Hat white male. <laughs> it sure, it sure should have because of how many lives it unnecessarily destroyed. Am I right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gentlemen? Should we wrap this biatch up? Yes, that was incredible. Yeah. Okay, so I, just, I ended it there because it felt like such a good note. <laughs> they should have called that bomb a person with obesity. <laughs> so. Scott, do you have anything else that you need to promote that's no, coming up man. that we should yeah, check like, out? Where can no. people find you online? No. Find your store? Nowhere. You don't want any more of this. This is all about you guys. Sign up for the Patreon. Get in there. <laughs> We're going to do all those bonus episodes. These are the Let's three funniest them. men, not in America, not in Canada, in the world. And I love them to death. Thank this you. It's such a joy. Thanks. So it's all I about agree. you guys. You don't want to have nothing to do with me, believe me. <laughs> Well, Scott, it's brave well, of you thank to say you, that. Scott. We won't put yes. any contact information in the show notes please, for you. Please don't. I don't um, want anybody coming to see me at my store at 2525 Main Street in Santa Monica. I don't want anybody following me on Instagram at Quiz Daddies or TikTok at Quiz Daddies. I really don't want anybody 
doing any of this. Just leave me alone. Don't watch my videos. Don't shop in my store. Don't support my career. Thanks for joining us, Scott. It's been so nice to see you again. You can barely see me in the dark here. Thank you, Scott. Alive for so long. You guys are the best. Love you. Yeah, thank you, you, Scott. You rule. Thanks for joining us. I will join the Discord just to listen to the chatter about this episode. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. They're going to freaking love it. I took it it off my phone recently. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that was so awesome. That was so fun. I really think that was another great episode of... This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.